Hey guys, and welcome to Radiology Core Physics Review. This is your host, Mohamed Halaiba, and today we will focus on MRI physics. First question, what is the makeup of an MRI machine scanner? Well, first of all, there is a superconducting magnet. This is a magnet that we keep at 4 Kelvin or minus 269 Celsius, and this allows for continuous flow of electromagnetic signal, which creates a permanent magnetic field without having to consume energy. The key thing is keeping the magnet cool, with dec which decreases the resistance to almost zero and allow for continuous flow of the current. And that's why we say the magnet is always on in MRI. The next structure that makes up the MRI machine is the coils. We have two types of coils. We have a transmitting coils and receiving coils. The transmitting coils would transmit the RF frequencies or RF pulses. And as you would expect, receiving coils would receive the signal. We also have uh, different types of coils like shimming coils, but we'll talk about them later. But the key thing to know is the transmitter coil and the receiving coil. Transmitting coil will send the RF pulse and the receiving coil will receive the echo generated from the RF pulse. And finally, we have computer setup that will convert that signal from magnetic signal into digital images. Now, what are common MRI scanning steps? First, the patient is put in the table and we said there is an external magnetic field that is always on. That external magnetic field will align the protons within a patient to be consistent with the outside magnetic field. Then we have the transmitter coils since an RF pulse. That RF pulse will allow the protons now to align with its own RF pulse signal, so it aligns with the magnetic field of the new RF pulse. Then, once the pulse is gone, because it's short, it's typically in milliseconds, as the protons resonate to its original position, meaning along the external magnetic field direction, we will get the echo. So imagine if at swing, imagine when you put a patient in the scanner, you push the swing all the way high and that's the stable position. So it's like pulling the pendulum to one end of the pendulum. And then the RF pulse is releasing, releases the pendulum and so the pendulum swings back, and then as it comes back to its original position, we get the echo, and that echoes the signal that the MRI receives. What is T1 relaxation or T1 recovery? This is the time it takes for the tissue or the protons within the tissue to recover to its longitudinal state parallel to the magnetic field. Here we mean parallel to the original magnetic field, the one, the field that is always on. That is the T1 relaxation. Again, T1 relaxation is the time it takes for the tissue to recover to its longitudinal state. The way I remember that T1 refers to longitudinal is the one in T1 looks like an L, and that's the longitudinal state. And again, it's the time from the RF pulse administration to the returning to the original or longitudinal state. When we apply the original magnetic field, meaning the one before the RF pulse, 
protons can be either longitudinal or transverse direction to that magnetic pulse based on the material property, either ferromagnetic or diamagnetic or so on and so forth. Now, once you apply the RF pulse, the time it takes for protons to return to their longitudinal state, meaning parallel to the magnetic field, that is T1 relaxation or T1 recovery. What is T2 relaxation? Because we said T2 relax T1 relaxation just a minute ago. T2 relaxation is the time it takes for the tissue or protons within the tissue to regain its transverse orientation. Transverse orientation is the orientation perpendicular to the magnetic field. Again, and this is obviously after you send the RF pulse. So let's repeat that. T2 relaxation or T2 decay is the time it takes to regain transverse orientation or perpendicular to the magnetic field after administration of an RF pulse. The way I remember T2, number two starts with a T and transverse orientation starts with a T as well. What is a pulse when we say pulse sequence or pulse imaging? Pulse sequence or pulse imaging is a series of RF signal meaning RF sequences as well as resultant echoes. So that sequence where you send an RF pulse, you wait for the echo to come back, is called a pulse. We have different types of sequences, meaning you can send different shapes of RF pulses that will alter the proton orientation or alter the tissue characteristic. For example, when we're doing fat suppression, we can send an RF pulse that would suppress the fat signal and allow us to receive the signal from any tissue that is not fat based on its content. All of that characteristics is called a pulse or considered a pulse. The two main pulses that we have, or the most common one, is spin echo pulse. And now we don't really use spin echo, we use fast spin echo just because of time. So spin echo or fast spin echo, and then gradient recall echo, GRE. Again, GRE and spin echo. Key features we need to know that the spin echo or fast spin echo has high signal to noise ratio. So the contrast is really good. And GRE imaging is a faster sequence and used for rapid imaging. So we can get the scan done much faster than if we were to use spin sequence. Obviously there are drawbacks to a faster sequence, but there are also positives for using a faster sequence. For example, cardiac imaging. Typically when we're measuring the heart, there is something called bright blood sequence. This is GRE sequence. Remember in ultrasound that we talked about pulse repetition period, and we said pulse repetition period is the time between one ultrasound pulse until the start of a new pulse. So for example, if beep is a pulse, so beep, beep, the time it took me between the first beep to the start of the second beep, that's the pulse repetition time in ultrasound. On MRI, we have exactly the same concept, exactly the same concept, but a different name just to make it more confusing, and that name is TR time, or TR or repetition time. So the time between two radio frequency pulses is called TR time. Now what I want you to know about TR time 
is anything TR time related, it influences the T1 weighing of the image. So the image will have T1 properties based on the TR time. Again, repetition time or TR time is the time it takes between two radio frequency pulses. So if beep is a pulse, beep, beep, the time between the first, when I started making the beep sound, to the time I started the second beep sound, this is the TR time. Now, since we just talked about repetition time, it's appropriate to talk about the TE time. What is TE time? TE time is echo time. What is echo time? Remember my example about the pendulum? When you push the pendulum once, and then it returns back to its original position that you started from? The returning process to original its original position, that is considered the echo meaning you send the RF pulse, it aligns the protons within the body in one direction, but as soon as the pulse comes back or disappears, the protons want to return to the original state because there is an external magnetic field that is calling them to come back to that state. That external magnetic field, in reaction to the RF pulse that we sent, as the echo come back, this is the echo time. Remember, we didn't send an, another RF pulse. So echo time is shorter than the TR time. If we sent another pulse, then each pulse would generate an echo. Let's summarize this again. TE time is echo time. It is the time it takes between sending an RF pulse and the resultant echo. That time is the echo time. It is always shorter than the repetition time because repetition time is the time take between one RF pulse and another RF pulse, and the echoes between two RF pulses. TE time influences the amount of T2 weighting. Again, TE time influences the amount of T2 weighting. T2 weighting, not the T2 image, it's the T2 weighing of the image. It's complex and we'll explain it later, but it's slightly different concepts. So echo time, TE influences two, two weighing of the image. TR time, or the time to repeat a pulse, is TR time and it influences T1 weighting of the image. What is the properties of T1 weighted image? So when we say T1 weighted image, so example, the post-contrast images is always T1. And we do pre-post contrast run, so pre-contrast. That image is T1 weighted image, so it's a T1 image. What are the TE and TR signal characteristics or numbers for it? T1 image always would have short TR as well as short TE again. T1 is short TR and short TE time. For a T2 weighted image, T2, to me, the 2 is longer than 1, 2 is more than 1, so it has both long TE as well as long TR. Long TE and long TR influences T2-weighted image. What does that mean? Meaning between one RF pulse and another RF pulse, the period is longer, and the time because that period is longer, we're able to also elongate the time between the RF pulse and the echo. So the time between the RF pulse and the echo is on the longer side 
as well as the time between one pulse and the other pulse, the TR time is also longer. So T2 image features long TE and long TR time. T1 weighted image features a short TR and a short TE time. This can be asked in multiple ways. They'll show you a T2 image, so a fluid bright image of the brain, and they'll give you different random numbers, and they tell you which TE and TR time is used on this TE. And basically, you need to know that you're going to pick the longer both TE and TR time of those images, or they can show you a T1 or a contrast image and ask you the time for this image, and you have to pick the short TE and short TR for T1 images. Another classic and easy question is to know what structures are typically bright on T1 images, meaning when we do a T1-weighted image, what structures appear bright? Number one, fat is bright on T1. Second one, melanin is always bright on T1. Gadolinium is bright, obviously, on T1, and proteinaceous content of cysts or collections are bright on T1. And finally, hemorrhage is variable, but commonly it's variable, but methemoglobin is bright on T1, meaning acute to chronic is bright on T1. The way that they can ask this, and a common way of asking this, is they'll show you T1 pre-contrast image of the brain, and you have multiple foci of T1 bright areas, multiple peripherally located, and that ask you what is the cause of this patient uh, problem, and the choices would be, you know, list of number of cancers, it, they might mention melanoma, or they might mention a metastasis, and you have to select that because you know melanin is bright on T1. Or they can ask it in terms of the liver, showing you the liver with multiple T1 bright areas and ask you what is this, and they want to get at metastasis or melanoma. Finally, other important features of T1 imaging, the pancreas is full of proteinaceous enzymes, so it is very, very bright on T1. The liver is also bright on T1, but less, pro less bright than the pancreas. And finally, the spleen is not T1 bright, it's T1 dark, because it does not contain proteinaceous content, rather it contains a lot of fluid, so it's T2 bright. Again, to summarize, T1 bright structures, fat, hemorrhage, proteinaceous content, melanin, and gadolinium. T1 bright structures in the abdomen, mainly the pancreas, but then the liver is also T1 bright because it does contain enzymes, but not as much as the pancreas. And finally, spleen is always T1 dark. What common structures are bright on T2? It's an easier list. So fat, just like T1, both fat bright on T1 and T2. Water is bright on T2, but not T1. And hemorrhage, typically acute to subacute or hyperacute to acute, is typically bright on T2. Again, Fat, water, always bright on T1 unless we have fat, uh, always bright on T2 unless we use fat suppression or whatever. We typically don't use it with T2. But fat and water are typically bright on T2 and hemorrhage is variable. So hyperacute to acute is typically bright on T2. What is STIR sequence? STIR sequence stands for short T 
inversion recovery. So sh- short TI time or short T1 inversion recovery. And it's fat suppressed with T1 inversion. And the key use for it is when we're evaluating bones and we're looking for bone edema. So fluid is bright even though it's short T1 inversion. So anything that is bright will become dark on T1. So water is dark on T1. So it becomes bright with the suppression of the fat. That's the other benefit for it. So when we're looking for bone marrow, bone marrow is typically fatty. So we do the fat suppression. So it takes out the bone marrow signal. And then we can see fluid because it's inversion of T1 stir. Key use for stir is spinal acute processes. So if you're looking for acute fracture, you basically just pull T1 sequ- uh, the stir sequence and look at the spine. If you see any bright signal within the vertebral body that consistent with acute fracture. What is FLARE imaging? FLARE stands for fluid attenuation inversion recovery. And basically this is a copy of T2 signal with inversion of the water signal. So we have similar characteristic of T2, except we don't see water signal. When do we use this? This is almost strictly used in the brain, and we suppress the fat signal, uh, the water CSF signal, and allow us to see more abnormal signal or more uh, brain parenchymal changes. If we're looking for acute infarct or subacute infarct, we use the flare, and usually if there are changes, they will appear brighter or easier to distinguish from normal brain parenchyma than if we compare it to a standard T2 spin echo image. What is HAST sequence? This is a T2-based imaging, and HAST stands for half four year acquisition single shot turbo spin echo. All that means is it's a spin echo sequence with very, very fast acquisition time. So it's really fast acquisition because it only requires filling of half of the four-year equation. Last question, and we'll end with this today. What factors represent the acquisition for a standard spin echo sequence? So remember, spin echo sequences, we said the somewhat slower sequences has good signal-to-noise ratio, and it's most commonly used Now it's fast spin echo, but we'll talk about that later. But the standard spin echo sequence, the equation for the time it takes for it is TR time. TR time, we said that's the repeat time between one pulse to the start of another pulse. Then the number of phase encoding steps multiplied by the number of averages. And we'll explain each of these in a second. Let's break each of these values into what they stand for. We said the TR time is the repeat time, which is the time from generation of one RF pulse to the next RF pulse. It's not the t- not the TE TE time, which is the echo time, because that's way shorter. So TR time. What is phase encoding steps? Phase encoding steps. If you imagine the uh, scan, one slice of the scan as a matrix, meaning X and Y panel. And we're going, we're filling Y panel each line at a time. So the number of phase encoding steps is filling one, each of those Y rows that we fill. The number of Y rows that would give us a total number of slice is the phase encoding steps. Again, phase encoding steps is the number 
on the y-axis that we need to fill, number of rows that we need to fill. As you can imagine, the bigger the y-axis, the longer the y-axis, the more y-lines we need to fill, it would take more time. Finally, number of averages. Sometimes they call it next, or number of excitations, or number of averages. That number of averages is very important to understand because it stands to the number of time each line or each row on the Y space is filled. It controls the signal to noise ratio. So you can fill it once and get poor signal, or you can fill it multiple times. The more you fill it, you're filling each line. You're not filling a new line or number of excitations or averages. It's the number of times you're filling that same line. And the more you fill the line, the better you get your pictures to be. Let's go over one more time. Factors representing the standard spin echo sequence is TR, or repeat time, the time between one RF pulse to the new one, the number of phase encoding steps, and we said if we think of it as an X and Y matrix or a square with X and Y, the phase encoding steps is the Y axis, and it's made up of different rows. The number of rows determines how long it takes to complete the image. So a number or an image with a larger number of phase encoding steps, meaning a large number with more lines that you need to fill in order to get your slice. And finally, number of averages or number of excitation, excitations next is the how many times you fill each row of the case space or each phase encoding step, how many times do you repeat it?